Welcome to the Rev Engine Podcast, where we help B2B CEOs and revenue leaders get clarity on how to align sales and marketing, build a high-performing revenue engine, and accelerate revenue growth for their organizations. I'm your host, Jeff Davis, author of award-winning book, Create Togetherness, and founder of Rev Engine. Let's jump into the show. Hey, it's Jeff Davis, everybody, with another episode of the Rev Engine Podcast, where we help B2B CEOs and revenue leaders align sales and marketing, transform the revenue engine, and accelerate revenue growth. I am, again, excited to have a, another great guest who I think is going to give us a really great perspective on what the future of B2B marketing is and looks like. Uh, it's Joel Harrison from B2B Marketer. Uh, he is the editor-in-chief of B2B Marketing. And then he also, uh, more recently, is the leader of the Propolis community, which is a community intelligence platform for B2B marketers. And uh, I hope that we'll have some time to kind of dive into that and the the really unique things that I I think they're doing and building out as a community. I met Joel probably, I don't know, several years ago. I had the opportunity to to contribute to some of their publications and been featured on my perspective on aligning sales and marketing. No surprise to anybody. And we've just maintained uh, a great relationship. I love the work that they do. uh, And I love the fact that they are focused on helping B2B marketers elevate their game. So without further ado, I want to get out, of the, get out of the way, as I always say, and let Joel kind of give a perspective of his background, how he got here, and then we will jump into the conversation. Joel, all yours. Hey, Jeff. Thank you for inviting me. It's lovely to be here and great to catch up with you again. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for being on the show. And so, so just a bit of background about me. Um, it's uh, So I'm editor-in-chief of B2B Marketing. We were, um, until... Beginning of last year, we were centered around a magazine, uh, but lots changed, right? We're in a post-magazine, post-print age these days, increasingly. And one of the things we did, our lockdown project, our COVID project, was to launch a community, um, which we call Propolis. You can call it Propolis. You can call it Propolis. The, you know, it's up to you. It's however you want to define it. It's a... um it's a closed community. I mean, we're talking before the show, people sometimes call it the dark web or the or dark social or something like that, but it's a closed exclusive community for B2B marketers, for expert B2B marketers who are or, or passionate because you want to learn, who want to get better, who want to be, be more successful in their jobs, where they can come together, consume fantastic content, and also uh, learn from experts and topic experts um, and, and in their various fields, get access to case studies from our awards programs, get access to live events, best practice briefings and training and things like that, um, and get recordings from all our conferences. So loads of stuff going on in there. And that the, we are, you know, which is a fascinating journey that, well, I think it's a fascinating journey we've been on. It's part of how media is changing and how information consumption is changing and changing. And we, we, we wanted to, you know, we recognize that magazines are wonderful. And as a trained magazine editor journalist, you know, I, I love producing print, but actually it wasn't where the world was today in terms of people's information consumption patterns. Um, they want to stuff, get stuff immediately. They want to ask questions. And get honest answers because there's lots of people who want to give you an answer from a and, and try to essentially trying to sell you something. We want to be able to allow people to discuss things in a, in a, in a space where that was safe and where they'd be able to be candid and, and get real genuine responses and, um, and insights that are going to really help them make better decisions about their marketing and understand how marketing and business generally, because let's face it, B2B marketing and business are integrally linked in so many ways, uh, is, is evolving yeah. and, and, and what to do to be a better marketer in the future. So yeah, we've been doing that for almost two years now. It's going very well so far. Yeah, I love it. And, and since we're on the topic and you brought it up, I know it's a closed community. Or is it open to new members? How, how would somebody reach out to you to get access? Might as well cover that now that we're talking about it. 
Yeah, no, great. And, and thank you for letting me talk about it. It's, um, so because that's our, um, membership is our revenue. Uh, we charge for a membership. Um, and so you can buy a membership for your marketing team. Agencies and vendors can, we, we are preparing to open that, uh, to agencies and vendors, uh, very, very soon. Um, but we obviously, for reasons I specified earlier on, we need to be very careful about how we bring them in, um, and, and be careful around the positions around that. So yes, it is open. We'd love to, if you want to talk about it and you're a client side marketer, Please get in contact with me on social. I'd love to talk to you more about it um, and, and get you involved. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a it's a fantastic place to be to learn how to be a better marketer. I love that. So for those listening, we'll make sure that we get Joel's information at the, the end of the episode, which means you have to stay and listen for the rest of this episode to make sure that we give you the opportunity to join. I think they're doing some really, really cool stuff. And again, I love the fact that it is really practitioner focused and also creating connections with other marketers that are, that are going through similar things in a very like non sort of committal, but really all in the spirit of helping each other way. So we'll make sure we get Joel's information at the back end of that and, and how you can sign up for that. Cause I think, it, I think you're doing some really great things. So my first question for you, uh, because I always look at you as kind of like, I guess the Oracle of B2B marketing. I think I just created that. So uh, I'm going to go with it. What are the trends you're seeing in 2023 for B2B marketing? How are things changing, shifting? What are some of those key themes that you're thinking uh, or that you're seeing, I should say that marketing leaders and, and maybe even revenue leaders should be thinking about? Well, so first of all, thank you for the, the the kind of accolade. I'll put that on my LinkedIn profile if that's okay. Um, so uh, Jeff says it, it must be true. But yeah, it's I mean it's a really yeah. fascinating thank time. you. And you know what? It's a reflected glory, right? It works for everybody. It's a really fascinating time for B two B marketing right now, um, and there's lots of changes happening at the moment, like in kind of currently, you know, very immediately. And there's then there are but there is also a, some bigger shifts going on. I mean, that's always the case, but I think. We did some work on this earlier in the year, and I think it's really acute right now. With I think we're going through a real another kind of a fourth big wave of change in B two B, and I think and then this is all and it's, it's not so much playing out now, but it's it's the it's the it's things around Web three it's things around e commerce, it's thing it's it's all those kind of the metaverse um, and NFTs and all those kind of things. They're not quite with us yet. They're happening in consumer land much more. But we're going to start to see them in the future and, we, and we'll start to see them play out. And I think this, the challenge around things like that is fascinating because marketers have got to see what's going on, not make any hasty decisions to invest in things which are a bit maybe premature, but evaluate how it's developing because the use cases are not quite there yet and they're, they're coming through. So it's a, I think this is the kind of fourth wave of, um, of evolution in B2B marketing. But I think more immediately, what we're seeing now is some really pressing things, which have been accelerated. You know, obviously, you've got um, uh, some economic headwinds to deal with, and that's creating some challenges. But beyond that, I think COVID's been fascinating in terms of the the lingering, enduring effects that that's had in terms of um, uh, of, of what marketing looks like and, and and how to be a better marketer. And I think that they come at really, from me, my perspective, there's there's two aspects to that. One is from the the internal marketing point of view, and the other one is the the buyer point of view, what, what, how buyers are behaving and what they're doing differently. We all got used to different ways of engaging, uh, through COVID, um, and, and being, uh, yeah, and, and being more self-sufficient. You know, there was this, we're, I think we're on this continuum, this journey where, where B2B buyers are getting used to doing more of that, being more self-driven, um, and, and doing more of that discussion themselves. Mm-hmm. And I remember 10 years ago when I think it was, um, Gartner or CB, I think they, about the same time they came out with the same stat, which showed that most B2B buyers only put their hand up when they're two thirds of the way through the buyer journey. And it was a bit of a wow moment. 
I think Gartner yeah. then said it was like 80%. And I think it's going, getting, it's now, it's, it's only accelerating. You know, there's more and more kind of buyer behavior that's happening before, you know, covertly, where you don't know it's happening and not explicitly. Um, and that is, and that means that there's a shift in balance between marketing and sales is ongoing. And, and it also means that marketing has got to, have got to not only be more responsible for more of that journey, but also got to do, got to raise their game in terms of the activities that they're doing. You're seeing, you know, you're not quite seeing, you're not fully, fully into the realms of e-commerce, although terrifyingly you can buy things like, um, you know, a, a JCB, which is like a Caterpillar r- road digger, pretty much, you can pretty much spec that out online and buy it, which is terrifying for me because I've got a five-year-old son who's obsessed with diggers, right? So if he ever found the link on the web where he could do that, <laughs> I would be in so much trouble because he probably just, he, he could probably wind up buying a fleet of um road vehicles for me um <laughs> can you imagine that showing up as your house I, you know you can there's that i don't think there's that adobe commercial from a few years back where the guy do you remember where there, where there was the the guy in the encyclopedia um press thought that he they were all suddenly getting all these orders coming through and they started printing paper and then it uh-huh. it was, i actually do you've seen that one yeah so it's it would be the same yeah. as that except yeah my part the parking outside my house would be more challenging so, so there's this uh, big shift. So, you know, we're not going, in, we're not there towards e-commerce, but so much more of the journey is being driven themselves. That does include communities where, and, and dark social where, where there's this conversations going on, but it includes all aspects of all the way down the line. And marketing's got to be able to enable that. So that's, so that's how the buyer is changing. But, and this is a, this is a long-term shift, but it's gone up a gear. You know, that, that's increasingly, it means that marketing, what they do is changing and shifting, but also we're seeing this kind of, um, Consequently, the kind of, and we'll talk about this later, Jeff, you know, sales's role shifts again as well. You know, you're seeing the uh, kind of um, sales yeah. enablement platforms, content platforms kind of stalling a bit in terms of the revenue and their growth and development because people aren't are less able to go and have those meetings. So it's much more, you know, consult the sales, so sales input is shifting further and further down towards the bottom of the funnel and marketing and sales have got to reevaluate the way they engage. And that's fascinating and it's exciting, but it affects all the way down the line. You know, your, the, the kind of role of chatbots and the, the kind of the removal of forms from websites is, is happening wholesale. It was something we talked about in a kind of a, a speculative fashion just a few years ago, but we're finding it more and more. And um, it's kind of um, invigorating and, it, and it's freeing for buyers, but at the same time, it creates big challenges for, for marketers and, and, and organizations to know how to adjust to that. Yeah, these are all really interesting themes. I, the two in specific that kind of perked my interest when you talk about like kind of Web3 and that sort of thing. Do you see the time frame from our B2C counterparts implementing technology to when it is, I would say, relevant to B2B? Is that time frame shortening? Because I think stereotypically, right, we've seen things in B2B, B2C, I should say, and then we have enough time to kind of kind of prove it out and see how it works. And then they're, they're, you know, usually many years later, it's applicable in B2B. And then, you know, those innovators in the space will play with it and that sort of thing. But have you seen that time frame crunch, I guess, is really probably the best way to ask it. I think it's just such a fundamentally bit different way of doing business. I mean, one of the things that occurred to, occurred to me about this, the more I've learned about this, the more this is a seemed apparent is that if you talk about an isolated aspect of of web three you know talk about something like nfts it's about building building a business case right it's about understanding what that looks like and and that that does take time and there aren't very many examples that i know of of this working in b2b i think the ones that seem to be leading the way or or at least doing the most explicit trials of people are some of the publishers and information providers ironically but um there's not enough groundswell of in of um of evidence there i I think stuff like um the metaverse itself again is very confusing and i I think it's i think it's gonna and there's a lot of misinformation around there i think that 
at a, at a macro level, stuff like blockchain requires such a profound shift in how companies operate and how they and, and how they they actually um they're structured and how they engage with their customers that it's very hard for marketing at a tactical level to deploy them as tactics right because it's too profound it's too too big a shift something like nfts you could you guess you could have a kind of campaign but it does tend to be quite orientated around it's, it's not a, it's not a one a one and you, you can't just do it for six months and then forget it again it's got to be quite baked into your business model um, a metaverse again is a massive commitment so um i don't think it's particularly shortening there's a lot of hype and a lot of non and you know a lot of snake oil as a technical term i think americans use um <laughs> out there but i don't think we yeah do. we do use that and, and it's very it's a very apt expression in this instance but we just we can't so i don't think it's going to happen anytime soon but we but you know, soon as a relative term. And I think it's going to creep up on us really fast. And we've got to just keep an eye on what's going on. Um, and the, you know, the good thing about 3.30 is that particularly at a CMO level, you know, CMOs really want to get involved in that strategic structural conversation about marketing. And, and right. there's a sense of if you can demonstrate the profoundness of something of, of a change, that is a catalyst to action. It's a spur to action. And, and, it, and it may allow marketing to have a conversation that it wasn't able to have in any other terms unless you can demonstrate you know how what, what's what's happening in the longer term and, and why marketing is the best placed uh, function to lead on that the other theme you brought out i think this also worth some conversation uh as well uh is the and i've heard a lot more about this recently as well it's like dark web dark social private communities where people are having conversations out of the sphere of the you know the organization the, the the marketing team etc share a little bit with us of like how i think there's two things how that is rising and then what that looks like and then secondly how can marketers influence that conversation or or add value to that conversation so that it can be a part of kind of their strategic go-to-market strategy um it's a fascinating subject and it's uh, you know there's a general growing and there's some great evidence recently from one of the vendors i forget which data, but I can share that afterwards. It's a really great stat showing the extent, the, the level, the growing level of cynicism that buyers have about corporate content because they, they yeah. know it lacks objectivity and they know why it's been created. Everyone's, I remember when the term content marketing was cursed first, was first coined and it was, it seemed revolutionary, but at the same time, it's kind of obvious uh, what it always was, but everyone's so good at it these days. Um, <laughs> and, and so great at sharing it that, you know, it becomes a bit of a content wash and, you know, and there's, and it's very easy to, people are skeptical that you're going to get the, the right answers. Even though this, this content is great, you're going to get the right answers from this, a lot of this material that's available. What they increasingly want is, is that more candid, um, less, uh, less filtered, um, and more honest uh, insight from people in the know. And even if it's, they haven't got, actually got the answer, at least yeah. they're able to def- better define the problem. And so, and that's always been the case, but I think it's becoming more and more acute. Um, and, so places where people can have those kind of conversations are are increasingly valuable. There are lots of iterations of those. Our our, our iteration of that is is, is Propolis, our community. But you know there are, there are lots of ways they're doing that that's happening. And and obviously in different markets it looks like different things. And different professionals have different pro, you know, proclivities and willingness to share and, and, and a candid level. So, but to to, to your, the second part of your question, which for, correct me if I'm wrong, was about how can marketers engage with that. I mean, I think there's lots of, there's the, the key thing, there's lots of ways you can do that. I think the, the best possible way is to focus on advocacy, you know, to really, to really, you know, take your customers on that and your, on, on that full journey of being, of not only renewal, but what does it take to get them to be an advocate? 
what does advocacy look like for you and what behaviors do you want to catalyze for those people because if those people are all signed up and saying yeah i, I believe in you know, xyz inc is fantastic and fundamental by business you want them to be able to talk about that and, and have and have a mechanism to do that and, and to be a referral engine for you it will be it passively rather than actively um so you know your customers are your best asset because they yeah. are authentic they will say what's what's true so that's that's the that's the best way and i also i don't think content marketing becomes irrelevant because it's still you know the best content will get seeded into those communities but you know you want to do you want to do that you also need to be talking to influencers because often they'll be involved in these communities as well um, and i think also at a deeper level uh, there are just as with propolis there are opportunities to be commercially partner with those organizations so you're able to get inside the tent uh, inside the room and and to be involved and that doesn't mean that you're then have license to start overtly selling to everybody you still have to behave in the right way and seek to add value to that conversation um but but you're you're inside the tent rather than outside of it and i think that's a general point really around the, the style and management of the way that come that client the brands engage across social media you know you just need to be helping you know it's the uh, jay bauer said years ago stop selling start helping it's never been more true um but perhaps what's what's mm-hmm. different now is the place where you're able, where you where you're helping, and the, the nature of the of the help, it becomes really deep and really peer to peer. And this is really closely related to some of the recent uh, information, or I should say, uh, insights that uh, Forrester came out with. I think a couple of weeks ago. So they came out a report. They kind of talked about like 2023 predictions, uh, and I always love kind of love reading through this stuff to kind of see what's coming next. And so I'll read the quote that they had because I thought it was really interesting. So in it. One of the kind of bullet points was they said that three times as many CMOs will will make customer health the prior uh, top priority, and so kind of the the information behind that was they said in light of economic uncertainty, B two B organizations will strive to grow in the places they know and the places they understand. As a result, B two B growth strategies will tilt heavily toward retention, cross sale, and upsell revenues. And so, why I think this is related to what we were just talking about is there seems like it makes sense for a marketing organization to, I would say, increase or really double down on either customer marketing or influencer marketing to really build strong advocacy within current customers, because to your point, they're probably in these closed communities, as well as influencers, people that are, that are, are looking to their peers or those that are respected in the industry versus just going out and trying to make noise with content and, and coming from the organization, so to say. So I wanted to get your thoughts on, I mean, do you agree with that? Because those are kind of, I think that customer marketing piece is related to what Forrester is saying about like this doubling down on this this idea of customer health and really making sure every customer is, you know, delighted and, and happy and, and understands and can speak for you. So I wanted to get your your feedback on that. I think it's totally logical prediction for Forrester to make and I wouldn't argue it for a, for a second I think it's absolutely right you know when the economic headwinds are stronger uh, people will then you know seek to maximize the relationships they've got um, and not lose any of those so that makes perfect yeah. sense but but the same and to your point I agree with that as well you know the um uh, the, the same focus on that relationship the same maximization optimization of that relationship can only help you optimize those new business opportunities that, that that do exist, and there will continue to be lots of them. So it's you know it seems like a sensible, it's, it's, it's logical, yeah. it's sensible, and I, and I think it, if it if it makes marketers do what they should have been doing anyway, which you know they should have been doing anyway, <laughs> then it's a good thing. Yeah, no, I think there might be an opportunity, and obviously it depends on the industry and the organization. But if you're really seeing stagnant growth across the entire industry, where just buyers are just not buying because of uncertainty, 
reduction in, in spend, et cetera, et cetera. I think, you know, it might be logical for you to shift some of those dollars from solely focusing on net new logos to really deepening relationships because, you know, we've seen this time and time again, when things get really crazy and you are able to rely on those relationships you built when things are good, you just have a better chance of weathering that storm. You have a better chance of keeping that customer. And so, you know, I think we sometimes miss sight of customer relationships when things are good because we're so focused on net new logos and getting new business. And I'm not saying that's not important, but I think, you know, more than anything right now, uh, as we kind of get through this time of uncertainty, you have got to double down on your relationships with customers and, and influencers if you haven't been doing so before. 100% agree. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the value of those of those loyal customers is 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 not just in the in the revenue they derive which of course is vital but it's also just in the potential they have of 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 being uh, of advocacy for you and and the and the, the the reach and the resonance they will have so yeah definitely the other thing that Forza talked about which i think is a little bit more contentious so i want to get your thoughts on this one they say the number of demand teams reporting into sales will jump by 20% and so kind of the the context they give behind this one cuz i really had to read this a couple times to see kind of what this was and what I thought about it. It says, as B2B organizations up their focus on existing customers, which we just talked about, the need for sales and marketing to enhance alignment across all stages of the customer lifecycle will take center stage. And so what they argue is, which I think is very interesting, instead of, this is so my wheelhouse, instead of actually tackling the problem head on and really having sales and marketing sit down and, and have a strategic conversation, they're just going to try different models of putting you know, demand teams over here, reporting the sales and try to see how that goes. So I wanted to get your thoughts on, have you seen similar things uh, from your work and what are your thoughts about this approach? Because I think it's fascinating. I haven't really seen that a great deal, but I do take your point. You know, if that's what's going on, it does. I don't know if this is an expression which crosses the pond, but rearranging the debt chairs in the Titanic right it's, it's kind of like <laughs> yes it's, it's like a window dressing or just trying to shift the problem somewhere else and, and make it go away but that doesn't seem like it's addressing the crux of what's going on yeah no i agree with you i think this is interesting and and i'll pay attention to this because when i read this i to be honest with you was i just thought this was very interesting so we'll see how this plays out and and, and forrester even shared that they kind of went back and forth on this one and have, have seen kind of arguments for both sides of the fence so uh, it'll be interesting to see how organizations kind of react to this. And, and you know, I always have been a proponent of just sitting down and actually aligning sales and marketing versus just, to your point, rearranging the chairs if we're going to all drown anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's not really helping us. <laughs> I think that's right. I mean, there's some fundamentals that need to be resolved, don't there? Um, so, and, uh, you know, there is a, there is a, a probably... I mean, you know, the forest. If they say something like that, they won't have done it without having some evidence for it, right? Because they're, you know, they're not they're not stupid people by yeah. any means. But it does seem there's a kind of ongoing tinkering of, of the kind of relationship between different parts of the sales and marketing hierarchy. And you know, maybe it's an experiment that needs to happen. If nothing else, than to prove it, it didn't work. Um, we, we should maybe we'll see what they say next year. Yeah, we'll see. I, and I definitely will keep an eye on this one. And maybe uh, we'll share the uh, the link to the blog and the, the show notes because I think for marketing leaders especially, this is some interesting stuff that maybe they want to follow up on. The other thing that came up to me as I was kind of thinking through our conversation, uh, which I think is also very timely, marketing always has to to prove and show ROI, which we know sometimes can be frustrating and, and difficult depending on the tactic and the strategy, et cetera, et cetera. I think as we kind of go into this turbulent time, which we all know, senior leadership CEOs are going to be even probably more explicit about why are we doing this? What is the ROI? How is it driving revenue as they kind of get pressure? 
to make sure that the organization stays afloat and, and continues to grow, uh, even though uh, things are, are kind of sideways. So I wanted to see your thoughts. And I know we kind of talked before uh, we hit record, so to say, about some conversation you guys have had internally with the Polis community on what are the ways marketing leaders are looking at showing ROI, showing marketing campaign effectiveness? Has it shifted? Is it the same as always? Just wanted to kind of get some some ideas from you and you know those that are listening, how they can really show their value to the organization. Well, so it's a it's a great question. It's a red perennial in marketing and B two B, right? You know, I mean, we've we've um the lack of value uh, in B two B. What has always it's a lack of appreci- appreciation, possibly has always been its biggest challenge. Um, yeah. And within Propolis, we have an initiative which is we call a swarm, which is, and the reason for that, just to give you a bit of background, this, this might seem like a strange name for it, but Propolis. Yes, we need to talk about this because I didn't want you to tell me before you hit record because I was really interested, but I was like, let's just wait till we, <laughs> we actually hit record to tell us the backstory. Okay, so we have to go backwards to go forwards, right? So hold the thought around the question, but the reason yes. for the name, what does the name mean? It's a Greek word. Um, so we haven't just invented it, right? It does exist. Um, and pro means first and polis means city. So means first city. So which is which is quite nice because it's a community. But additionally, if you Google pro- propolis or even propolis, whichever one you want to Google, the same is spelled the same way, you, what you will get is, oh, what's this bee stuff you got here? Uh, and propolis is the word for the resin that bees use to, to build their hives. Right. And, um, oh. and, and actually, and, and bees live in a community. They're very collaborative. They work together. They're a wonderful metaphor for being, for harmonious existence. Um, and obviously bees start with letter B. So B to B. So it, it kind of functions on multiple levels. Um, and, um, in a previous iteration of Propolis, we had something called hives, which is rooms where people collaborate. We've slightly changed that now, but we have persisted with this, this thing called a swarm, which is actually we've worked on with some senior marketers, uh, from very, large global brands i won't mention their names i think it would be inappropriate but this is it's based on the kind of jam or or scrum methodology and the idea is to for the community to come together to answer a specific point and the one we did in the autumn uh, just gone we discussed with the community what questions you want to answer and the question they wanted to look at was exactly that how does how do you demonstrate the value of marketing to your organization and we didn't talk about roi we talked about the value of marketing at a general level because we didn't want it to be too campaign or program focused. We wanted to be looking at marketing, you know, across a macro level. Um, and so we ran a series of initiatives. We ran kickoff sessions. We ran ongoing conversations, fragmented a different conversation, took at different aspects of it. We had workshops. And where we came together at the end was with a, with a model or framework to do express this. And, um, I don't, and I hope I can show this with you later on, but, but share this with you later on. But we, we pulled this down to, and we have one of our marketing practitioner experts kind of develop this into four areas of um uh that that you need to focus on in order to demonstrate the impact and the value of marketing uh, and in, in in the short and and uh, very important both all of these are across short and long term you can't do you, you if you if you think about either short or long term you're missing the picture so the four areas really are one is the re- is mm-hmm. revenue evidence the second one is brand evidence third one is customer evidence and the fourth one is engagement evidence and each of those four pillars then has different okay. levels of resonance with different members of the C-suite. So, for example, the revenue evidence and the brand evidence are much more interested in the, the CEO. The revenue evidence or the customer evidence is much relevant to the CFO. And the VP of sales, for example, will want customer evidence and engagement evidence. So you've really got a map across all these different dimensions to, dem- to, to, to provide the, 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 um, the full picture. The problem that marketing so often has is, is, is we kind of we just focus on a very tactical, how has my campaign worked? 
but you're not really demonstrating the bigger picture about the value that marketing offers to the whole organization and why it's critical and why it can do things yeah. which other functions can't. So it was a great, um, we, there's more data underneath that, more more mechanisms underneath about how you enact those different areas. But it was a great piece of work and uh, really and fascinating to be part of. Yeah, I, I think what you share is very interesting. And, and the overall theme is that as marketers, we very much sometimes get caught up in our strategies and our campaigns and the results and how it did, but not articulating the value to different stakeholders that are relevant to them. And, you know, the the, the age old one that we miss is sales, right? Uh, I spent a lot of time in this whole like alignment of sales and marketing and that sort of thing. And I think there are so many times where the reason that sales leadership is not engaged with marketing is that they don't really understand how it's directly applicable to them and their sellers. And so related to that, I'm interested from what you've seen, and I've been in this space for quite some time. I've seen examples of working really well and some examples of it not working really well. Have you seen an evolution of just in general organizations getting better at aligning sales and marketing? What have you seen you know, in the last five, maybe even 10 years? Are we moving in the right direction? Is it pretty steady state? What, what are you seeing? Jeff, I'd love to say that I've seen it just getting better all the time, but it would be a lie. <laughs> I just it just seems to be a perennial problem and I'll give you an example of that we had um, a roundtable last week where we were bringing CMOs together to talk about challenges of building building a great marketing team and by the way the interesting thing about that is when we envisaged the session back in the summer it was all around recruiting but then we came started to promote it in November and like oh no let's talk about recruiting right now funnily enough so it was all about retaining and developing and optimizing um <laughs> but, but besides that yeah. one which is a slightly depressing but it's just the nature of where we are right now and it, every situation has its own challenges and opportunities but anyway back to the point one of the CMOs turned up and just kept hijacking the conversation in a nice way to talk about sales and marketing alignment and we kept coming back to Oh my God, I want to get my team better, but the sales guys do this, you know, and, and by the way, I'm sure that there's an equal and opposite view of, from salespeople going, but the marketing guys just don't get me. And it's still there. It's still, of course. it's still really, um, ingrained. And it seems like, um, the technology that we bring on board only serves to, you know, technology we would think is going to be a panacea. This is going to make everything work and we're, and we're going to live happily ever after together, but it just seems to kick the can down the road a bit further. And I think you expressed it brilliantly earlier on. And this came back in this, uh, this meeting uh, amongst many other things that we've done over the years. It's all about communication. It's all about dialogue. It's about humans getting together, understanding each other and spending time with each other. It doesn't matter. You can yeah. have the best technology in the world. It will not replace that. And actually, if you try and use it to do that, it will only fail. Yeah. This theme is kind of a double edged sword for me. In, in one instance, it's good to hear that we are continuing to have this problem in the conversation because I wouldn't be relevant if we <laughs> if we had resolved it. And part of the reason that like I do this work, I knew this is an ongoing problem that most organizations were not going to resolve, fix in a timely manner, right? And I, I, I would even argue potentially that this tension between sales and marketing will probably persist for most organizations for quite some time, right? And so that's why I've developed, you know, Rev Engine. I'm doing this work. I'm partnering with folks like you that have really uh, insightful points of view because it is something that is really tough to change in the organization. And, you know, I talked about in my book that there's truly two transformations that need to happen simultaneously, which is really tough. And so you have the actual innovation or transformation of the function itself. So the way that we do B2B marketing for the modern buyer, the way that we do B2B sales for the modern buyer are changing within themselves. 
So let's set that aside because that in and of itself is challenging. And then we have to somehow come together and create this harmonious, seamless buying experience so that we could have a revenue engine that actually produces uh, customers and revenue. And so those two things put on top of each other for leaders and organizations to do is really, really tough. And I cannot under communicate or over communicate, whatever the word is, that sales and marketing alignment should be taken very seriously and not just saying we're going to align sales and marketing. It's going to happen next week or next quarter or next month. It can take years for us to get this right because it's a lot of work. It's a, it's truly a a business transformation. And it's a moving target. You know what it looks like today. You know the customers, you know the shape of the business, the products, and the how for, how that plays out today. But that might be different. In times where, where businesses are transforming all the time against different metrics, it's not a one and done, is it? It's a it's an ongoing challenge and personalities change and relationships change. All these dynamics feed into this this challenge. So uh, yeah, I, I think we there's two ways of looking of looking at this, you say, Jeff. One is you you go oh, why haven't we got this sorted out yet? How come we're so rubbish in B2B? The other one is you say, this is a human system and it depends on humans to work together and that we and we know we have to just keep working on it um, and embrace that and work with it. And yeah. that's people like you are just so fantastic in this industry because you just get it all. Well, thank you. And I agree with you 200% because I'm glad that you talked about, you know, we have a ton of great tech coming out and we're seeing obviously a lot of consolidation on the sales side, but it doesn't start with the technology. And if you are starting with technology, you are doing it wrong. I said it, I'm going to continue to say it because here's the thing, technology will only accelerate a really bad system. <laughs> it will not make the system better. It'll just make you bad faster, right? <laughs> and so in order for us to, ch- I, I mean, I tell people all the time and they laugh, I'm just like, no, I'm serious. Like if you have garbage, tech is just going to make it fall apart faster. Like it's not going to make it better. But I go back and, you know, to my book where I talk about like it is things like you said, we have to communicate across lines. We have to develop, you know, we have to co-develop or co-create strategies that are focused on the buyer, the customer and driving revenue. And if you don't do those things, the tech is not going to fix it. So, again, we need to focus on that human element, communicating, making sure, you know, marketing communicates its value to sales and vice versa. And then we can start to figure out what are the platforms we need. And not only just the platforms, but looking across MarTech and sales tech, because a lot of times, you know, we might even get the the strategies part right, but then we buy technology in silos and then we wonder why they don't work together or if they work together, it's just like they're redundant. And so that's a whole nother conversation for another podcast. But I'm glad you said what you said about really starting with that. It seems super simple, but just having a conversation about what do you need? What are your goals? How can I contribute to that? How can you help me? And that really is that, that shift that needs that that happens of getting us closer to being aligned and understanding what our counterparts need from us. So a great conversation as always. Thank you for helping us look forward into the future, hopefully get ahead of some things and be able to be number one quick because a lot of us don't know what's coming at us. Uh, and, you know, my goal and, and my kind of focus is to help us be as prepared as possible for those those B2B revenue leaders that are listening. So with that said, Joel, how can folks follow up with you, find you, stalk you, join the community? What are all those things that they can follow up after listening to the podcast, which I'm sure they will want to? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Joel Harrison, Editor-in-Chief of B2B Marketing. Just There's not that many Joel Harrisons on LinkedIn, so you can find me quite easily. I'm still on Twitter for now. That's a separate podcast, definitely. You, um, <laughs> that is definitely a separate let's, podcast. Let's not get started on that one now. Uh, <laughs> we'll have you back on in six months and we'll see what your opinion is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh yeah. my god yeah. 
I'm not unpacking that. No, I'm not unpacking no, that. No, no, no. But for the now, it's Joel underscore B2B editor. Uh, you can find me there. And, um, or you can email me, joel.harrison at b2bmarketing.net. I'd love to talk to you and love to get, you know, we are, we are, we have our Ignite event, um, runs in, um, as we've a lot of conferences in the UK, but our Ignite events come to the US and Chicago in, uh, in May 23 and very much hope you can join us there. And, um, we'd love to see you and, and spread that globalized message of B2B and learn and cross reference all those different ideas and, 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 and creativity that's coming across the pond. Love it. And then the website for Propolis, the community, what is it in case folks want to learn more about that? If you go to b2bmarketing.net, and then I think it's probably slash Propolis, or there's a there is a um, there's a website there. You, Propolis is a closed community, so you can't really go into the URL. You won't see anything. You'll just see a landing page. The best way to find out about it is either okay. to message me or to go to b2bmarketing.net, and and I think then slash Propolis, or just find Propolis in the the menu, and that will give you a lot of information about what it's about, what's what's there, how you can get involved, and all those kind of things. Um, yeah, it's a very very rich platform, um, and you know we really think this is the future of B two B marketing. You know, just not not only in a for us as a business and a brand, but also uh, more generally for how the community, how how the industry works together. It's it's this this layer of um, connectivity. So why not experience it for yourself, and then you can better, better much better place to deploy it for your own marketing. Love it. Well, Joel, great conversation as always, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Jeff. It's wonderful to talk to you. You as well. Thanks for listening to the Rev Engine Podcast. I hope today's episode provided you with some actionable insights that will help you begin the process of transforming your organization to a high-performing revenue engine. If you found today's episode valuable, we ask that you support the show's growth in three ways. First, share the episode with your friends and colleagues. Second, follow me on social media at Meet Jeff Davis on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And finally, give us feedback on who you'd like to see on the show next. That's all for this episode. We look forward to having you join us next time where we continue the conversation on how to build a high-performing revenue engine.